Buongiorno and welcome to my Way Thinking podcast, or my what for short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every week. Hope you're all doing well. This is part one of Mental Health Week here on Mawat. If you've seen the advert, you'll already know. Three shows, three brilliant specialists, all to do with mental health, giving their advice, absolutely invaluable. There's one thing that I've been talking about quite a lot, and that is that everybody is suffering a little bit with mental health. Um, and I thought it was really important to do some shows to give offer some advice. Now, the podcast streamed on all the usual platforms. If you do listen via um, Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating on there. The video, the chat is also on YouTube. If you put my way of thinking podcast in any of these, it'll come up. And also look at previous podcasts last week. I had a cracking podcast last week with Matt off Marriage at First Sight Australia, which was a fascinating insight. His journey was amazing. And I was also interested in the mental health aspect there, struggle seven, where he had to look after himself and how the program provided support and safety for him, which sounded a bit rubbish, if I'm honest, compared to the UK, which are very uh, cautious and very aware of people's mental health. So that was a real interesting chat. I've listened to that. There's also loads of brilliant episodes with people from all over the globe with all amazing journeys. So make sure you listen to those. Now, more way of thinking is about us human beings that all have a story to tell. But for this week, I wanted to cover mental health. So today, we're going to be talking to the brilliant Victoria English. Victoria English is an absolute lovely lady. Uh, she's got so much to say and she's so interesting in how she describes things and she's met the queen three times don't forget that uh, but she's just a lovely woman and offers some brilliant brilliant advice so please make sure you listen to that okay this is me speaking to the brilliant victoria welcome the amazing miss victoria english Ooh, morning victoria are you okay yeah morning oh it's so lovely to speak to you and um yeah i i looked out in the garden today and we've got daffodils Have um, sprouting up so spring is on its way so i know this morning the birds are singing really loud yeah <laughs> i can so... hear them now there's loads of oh. them outside here so it definitely feels like it's sort of turning a corner the weather is sort of easing off a little bit i mean it's still awful um but it is a fresher morning would you say absolutely and i think that's what we've got to keep on holding on to is that um my great aunt said something that has always stayed with me that yeah. everything passes good and bad yeah and the only constant in life we have is change so um you may have had a rubbish day yesterday but today is a is a brand new fresh day um, to you're not going to have it again. So it's mm. a day to just celebrate the good bits, let the bad bits pass on by, and just try and live in the moment because we only get one chance of this. None yeah. of us get out of this alive. And and um, well, Simon Cowell might. Well, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but I think that you know it's about realizing that um every day is going to be different and it's about i was doing a, a a talk last night um with actually with with 
learners with learning disabilities and it was yeah. about letting those thoughts go sometimes we ruminate sometimes we get caught up in thoughts and that can be like a vicious spiral but we need to know that actually thoughts aren't real and a lot of i think we have like something like thousands and thousands of negative thoughts a day and 99 percent of them don't come true yeah um i'll talk a little bit about that later but about the negative mindset but yeah. we're actually programmed to think negatively because that's what kept our ancestors alive so mm. um we had to have a negativity bias we had to respond more um strongly to negative things than positive things because that's what kept us alive but that's when you know we were we were being chased by the sable-toothed tiger we needed to be able to to react when was that last week yeah well after, <laughs> now it's now it's paper tigers now it's emails and it's a different kind of mm. animal now well look that we haven't even started yet and you're giving out great bits of advice <laughs> oh. so I'm, re I'm really looking forward to this now we got connected and first of all just want to talk a little bit if you just tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you came into this role and what sort of you specialize in and things like that okay so if i tell you a little brief bio of me and where why i've chosen to do what i do so um if we go back to little victoria um <laughs> little Vic victoria was i i i remember me as being almost like a jigsaw with a piece missing oh. um i always um, grew up knowing, knowing that there was something a bit different about me and latterly only in my adult life I realized that was dyspraxia so oh. I have a learning disability I'm neurally divergent um, whatever that means but I knew that um, that something was different I was a clumsy child it's lack of motor skills so yeah. lack of hand hand-eye coordination but that almost um, culminated in me having very very poor self-esteem and I became very anxious as a child um, I was quite bullied um, then before I went to Exeter University I developed anorexia oh, um, and then throughout my life at various junctures I have suffered with depression anxiety panic attacks now it's not all bad. I've spent 25, 25 years teaching in, um, as a college lecturer. I have met the Queen three times. <gasps> I was, you I know. Queen, how good's <laughs> that? What did she uh, say to you? Well, the last time, so the first time I went to um, the Commonwealth Club and our film was put in the Royal Collection, um, in the Jubilee Collection, and out of 82,000 entries, um, we were chosen to be in the top 60. Wow. So that's impressive, isn't it? Yeah. So the first time I was just absolutely gobsmacked. I just, I, I, I'd been told all the protocol, how to approach mom and, oh, and, yeah. um, and what to say and what not to say and not to put your hand out, wait for her. And, and I'm usually very chatty and I just stood there because I just thought, oh my goodness, that's the queen in front of me. <laughs> so that's, I think that's the first time I've been speechless. The second time I met her at Buckingham Palace and I was introduced um, to her and we just spoke to her and that was surreal as well. There was, um, there was Princess, not Eugenie, who's the other one? Beatrice. 
Beatrice there and the Queen and there was about 100 people having a champagne reception at Palace. Yeah, check me out. And um, and it was talked to her about the charity work that I was doing and I was with a couple of students with learning disabilities. So it was really exciting. And then this third time I took my dad to a garden party, darling. Ooh. And yeah, and that was fab. And I just talked to her again about the charity work that I was doing and about my passion for, for mental health. So and what did she say? How, how was she? She was great. And she, she was saying, um, I said, oh, it's brilliant. It's such a sunny day because it was a lovely day. And then it got reported in Hello and um, various newspapers. My quote, which um, she, I'd said, oh, it's, it's wonderful to have a sunny day. And she said, yes, one does hope when one invites um, 4,000 people to one's garden, one hopes that the, the weather's going to be good. One does worry. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was funny, but, um, but yeah, great. And I think my learning disability and perhaps the challenges and adversity I've faced earlier on in my life has, has really given me a tremendous drive to achieve, to prove myself, to, to prove that I'm worthy of something. And so almost my dyspraxia has come my, become my superpower in that it's given me that grit, that edge to actually want to make something of myself. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I've interviewed people on here with Asperger's and things like that. And mm. it's a similar thing. It's mm. pretty hard growing up. But as you get older in life, you find, if anything, it's, it's helped them um so it's quite interesting just going back to that did you get diagnosed early on or did you go through all your school years not knowing so yourself you felt something weren't right whereas around you everyone was like yeah it was it was really yeah it was it was awful and even my father would say Victoria you know you're not um he would call me lazy I'm not trying hard enough because my handwriting was very poor and it was only because I was lucky that my mum taught at the secondary school um where um I went that I was able to be put into a stream where I could achieve um because in junior school I was actually sat next to the girl who was very severely disabled and I was written off, really. Um, and then I went on to get 11 O-levels, 3 A-levels, went wow. to Exeter Uni, Cardiff Uni. Um, but I always knew that there was something different. And it wasn't until my sister was studying about child development in New Zealand, um, wow. when we were both in our 20s, that she said, Victoria, you've got dyspraxia. And... I read about it and I thought, oh my goodness, that's me. It's the child who was the last child to be picked in the reject team in sports. <laughs> it was, what else? I couldn't write properly. Um, I couldn't catch a ball. Um, I found it difficult with social interactions. Um, I bet I, that was like um, a massive weight off your shoulder, wasn't it? When you it, found, it was, that, found that out. Because it felt less personal. It felt less Victoria being rubbish. And there was a reason for it and um, that I was neurally divergent. And now, but again, from that has come my passion to, um, so my career, I I lectured in sociology and psychology 
and then I went into college management I didn't like that because I love warm fuzzies but I don't like sort of saying I, I'm sorry mate you haven't got any more hours you know that I don't <laughs> do that don't do that well so then I went into my other passion which was teaching um, students with learning disabilities and what I found was that um, the toolkit that I developed for myself to look after my mental health was something that I could employ with the learners with learning disabilities and often it wasn't their learning disability which was causing the biggest barrier to them engaging with the curriculum it was actually their lack of confidence yeah. self-esteem the lack of well-being you know yourself that if you are in a bad place mentally it's very different difficult to to achieve yeah and, and that's a good point i suppose when you know people have the potential uh, and from your background these are intelligent people but because of their emotions and their self-esteem and confidence they're not bringing across that mm -hmm. intelligence or making mm -hmm. the most of themselves it's holding mm -hmm. them back isn't it and that's something that i think i can see that you're the type of person that wants to open that up and let the person realize what they can achieve would that be correct absolutely and it and it ranges very much it could be socioeconomic so when i was teaching sociology and maybe that it was at a fe college maybe they hadn't been given the south police in um at um at school maybe it was the wrong time for them but it was restoring that confidence and that self-belief and often i think it's the teachers that have the the that put the barriers in place who maybe don't give um the young people the the confidence and the empowerment tools that they need and i think so many young people are wasted by the system i think we lose so much talent because we aren't inclusive and we don't celebrate creativity and we feel that um, academic achievement is the gold standard whereas a, I think when we look to postmodern society we'll realize that actually the skills of creativity thinking outside the box people who are um, who think differently are the ones who are really going to achieve and the skills we need in the future because we know that in the future we will need those creative thinkers because all the jobs that are sort of manual and the jobs that can done be done by a, a machine will be yeah. um, so so that together with having suffered with poor mental health at various junctures throughout my life made me really passionate then latterly in my career the last 10 years of my career to um to give this toolkit to other people and um throughout my 20s and 30s and 40s i was given a prescription by the hard push gp which would just be really something that would deaden my emotions and perhaps help me cope and i'm not saying that they're bad because i still take medication for my anxiety but there were a whole host of other things that i could encourage other people to do that would really help them actually have better mental health and well-being and i then went on to um, set up a happy cafe which is a place that really celebrates um, the things that we can do for happier living like a pop-up cafe at the college um which college uh, was that 
It's it was um, at College Gwent. Oh right, okay. Whereabouts so, are you based? So I'm South Wales. Right, South Wales. Huh? Over yeah. the border. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had another accolade then. I I was um, voted by the Independent, one of the top fifty people happy on the happy list who um, bring you know uh, a contribution to society. So that was amazing. You're just showing off now, aren't you? I am showing off. I, that's really bad. And my son is going to go mad. He's going to say, <laughs> "Mum, this isn't a. You're supposed to be helping people. This isn't a platform to just you know." So, it, no, that's fine. No, that's fine. And. It sounds brilliant because what you've said there, you are basically saying this is why I'm so passionate. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't come from a place of education. Yes, of course you've been educated, but I think when you are personally involved with those things and you've been through those things, the education sort of tops you up. But you'll ne- you can't educate someone to be passionate about something like like you are. Absolutely. And I think my model, so it's always been to empower others. And I don't want anybody to go through what I've been through, whether it be the bullying, whether it be feeling less than, whether it be um, poor mental health. And so what I'm so passionate about now is working with young people, working with managers, working with teachers, youth workers, giving them information that will they can then impart to help others to to know that they're not alone that everybody has mental health whether it be good bad and these are some really excellent tools that you can use day-to-day easy interventions that really do make a difference now i add um so this is part of a mental health week for the podcast and i've already had one lady on sarah mccaffrey she was fantastic she works in the creative industry with film tv things like that and working with people mental health wise there so but what i'm interested with yourself obviously we can cover lots of of things but one thing i did notice is about children you work with children Mm. and i think it's easy to just forget children because as an adult, we're going through it. We're furloughed. We're not at work. We are at work. Now, I have two children. My daughter's 12, so she's been working through school uh, at home. And my son's 19, and he went through a hell of a year yesterday, uh, last year because he's 18. And, of course, imagine turning 18 and not being able to go out with mm-hmm. your mates. It's been horrendous mm-hmm. for him. And he's mm-hmm. suffered. He suffered as well. So what sort of things can we do as parents for our children and what do we look out for because it's easy to just forget about children and they're going through it too aren't they Mm, absolutely and I had a conversation this morning about just that and I have a 21 year old who's had two years of university disrupted and um who is again going through exactly the same as 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 your son it was his 21st birthday in December and you know, what, what, what can you do? He's oh, no. supposed to be having an amazing time at university and he's stuck home with his mother. You know, it's not great. Yeah. Um, but first and foremost is kindness and compassion and being able to empathise with young people that this is their time. This is their time where they need that peer interaction. This is the time where they need to be um, biologically, um, they need to be with their friends. 
So for adults, it's easier. Some, for some people are really enjoying it because it's time away from the workplace. They're enjoying being in their comfort zone at home. Um, they, um, they, they are happier to kick back with Netflix and a takeaway than for younger people who really need to be out there and amongst their age group. Um, some tools that I would suggest employing, keep those conversations going. Um, we know that actually if you are able to express how you're feeling, there's a certain part of the brain called the amygdala, and that's the emotional part of the brain. That's where your fight flight comes from. That's where you, any kind of stress evolves from. And we know that actually if you express your emotions, so if you say I'm feeling jealous or I'm feeling sad, that will reduce the impact on the emotional part of the brain by 50%. And it's called name it to tame it. Um, name it to if, tame it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a really excellent. Now, your child might not want to talk to you. They might not feel um, very comfortable about expressing their emotions. So another tool is journaling. I've got a journal here that I complete um, every every morning and you can do a brain dump where you write down just continual thoughts of in the morning everything that you're feeling and again that will do exactly the same it will reduce that impact on the emotional part of the brain and you will be able to rationalize and um, sort of release that negative um, emotion, negative energy, and, and that's um, a great way of relieving stress. Um, another strategy um, that I have um, used with, um, with the people that are, the children that I teach, and also um, with friends and family, um, is gratitude journaling. And that's another thing that um, that I do and um, there's lots of gratitude journals out there that you can buy or download off the internet and what you're doing there have you ever so Lee have you ever thought about buying a car say it's a white BMW and then all the neck or all the next day yeah all you can see are white BMWs yes yeah and there's a reason for that it's because what you're doing you're you will not see everything that's going on in the world our brain filters out so much and what we do most commonly um, our brains are very repetitive so you'll carry on being with those um thought patterns but actually by writing three things down that you're grateful for every morning programs your brain to actually look for the positive ah, so you're, right. it, it trains your brain to look rather than looking for the negative to look for the positive so um you will then throughout the day remember good things some a good friend a university friend of mine bought me and um, sent me flowers yesterday and i thought oh great i can put that in my gratitude journal um, had a lovely cuddle with my dog, put that in the gratitude journal. 
Um, and they may be simple things like having a really lovely cup of coffee. I'll, I'll put about talking to you on the podcast today. Um, but it's a way of getting over that negativity mindset yeah. because that's the other thing that actually we are programmed to be more negative yeah. um, because it's what's helped, helped to stay, stay alive. But I think the major point would be to keep those conversations going. Yeah, that, 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 that's great advice. And that rings true with me completely. For instance, the other day, uh, my son completely blanked me in the morning. I was like, morning, completely blanked me. I could tell he was in a mood. Mm. And I, I, I argued with him. I argued. And as I'm older now, I step back a lot more. Um, and so we had a bit of an argument, nothing major. But I said to him, you need to get yourself sorted, get yourself in a routine, because he was going to the gym and things like that, and saying, you need to do this. You know, get change, just do things like that. And I'm shouting these orders at him. But the reality is when I stepped back and later on he'd gone upstairs, then then I was thinking, right, now I need to talk to him again and just have a chat with him because his age and a lot of kids don't like talking. They don't like to talk. They don't like to express their emotions. And I try and he's never gonna be, <laughs> you know, he's not gonna give out his emotions freely and tell me everything but if I can just have a little chat uh, and we spoke and he apologized and it's having it's it's trying to work with your children isn't it I could have easily kept it going kept arguing I mean that to be honest is probably the first argument we've had throughout the whole lockdown so which is pretty good going but I could see some parents really arguing a lot but it's like you say, arguing is not going to fix it. You've got to talk because they're going through a lot the same way as you are. I suppose he's going through a lot, I'm going through a lot, and you just clash. Um, so, yeah, it's, that is a brilliant bit of advice you, you've got there. And, the grat- and I love the way you explain it as well. So the gratitude, I've heard that before about gratitude, but I didn't realize that it will make you think positively. Mm. Because another thing is what I've noticed is the negativity will just grow. If you wake up in the morning, you're in a mood and then something else and something else, it just seems to continue and continue. And you have to stop that. And this gratuitous, you know, having the writing down what you're grateful for is, is a great tool for that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, talking about um, adolescent uh, behavior, um, and the fact that they will react strongly. Um, what happens is that they're, they're, they are reacting from, again, the emotional part of their brain because the, the prefrontal cortex, the, the, um, the part of the, their upstairs part of the brain doesn't fully form. That's the, the part of the brain which keeps our emotions in check. Doesn't fully, fully form until 30 for males and 25 for girls. So they will react far more strongly because they'll be reacting from the emotional part of the brain. And what we've got to try to do, very much like you did, is take that step back and really try to empathize with how they're feeling and try to then repair that relationship and get them to sort of go go into, um, into the top part of the brain, which enables them to sort of rationalize and see the situation more clearly. But the only way you're gonna get them into that upstairs part of the brain is by slowly coaxing, coaxing, empathizing, 
and really trying to understand where they're coming from because they don't have the tools at that age to actually get into that prefrontal cortex that rational part of the brain um you're just they're just reacting very much like a toddler mm. would react or very much like some people react um when they have road rage and, <laughs> you know, they're just not thinking yeah. that rational, rational part of the brain just, is everything's raging yeah yeah but if you think of that um that that for um for teenagers that's what, is that on steroids you mm. know and yeah. the other thing that's really interesting to know is that teenagers don't actually have the capacity their brain hasn't formed properly yet to read facial expressions so you might be um have an expression of concern and they will misread it as disgust right. so i've had this situation where perhaps i've said to my son um something oh, i wish you'd perhaps put your dirty washing in the laundry basket <laughs> yeah and i'm saying it in a really nice way and he'll go off the wall like something else with <laughs> harry enfield you know like have you seen that sketch where you've got Kevin goes up the stairs at 16 and then he comes down and he's grunting. Yeah. And, I hate you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And I think this is what we need to... I, I'm a great advocate for teaching parents as well as young people because you need both sides of the coin. Yeah. You need children to understand how their brain works, but then parents to be able to communicate with their young people in a way which actually fits their stage of brain development and and compensates the fact that their brain is still being structured it's it's interesting you say that victoria because you know parenting is is so key here now when i was first became a parent it was nappies looking after your kids making sure they're safe teaching them what you can um trying to be a good parent and now it's a whole new stage of parenting because i thought right that's me done <laughs> done and dusted happy days now it's a lot more it's even there's another challenge now if you like where they're older and you're teaching them and you're still parenting them but it's mm. totally different it's a whole new ball game and like you say it's more about a lot more to think about now, a lot more to think how they're feeling. Whereas before it was, right, you're growing up, I look after your feed you, make sure you know right from wrong. Now it's a lot more complex because if my son's feeling down and he seems down, I'm thinking, what's wrong with him? Has something happened with his mates? Is it a girl? Mm. Do you see what I mean? Because he's older, he's got all these complexities Absolutely. as well. So it is a new, a new ball game completely of parenting, isn't it? Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that, and that's so true. And they say that um, that actually um, childhood is extending, you know, till 25, 30. And if you think about it... <laughs> I hope it, not. <laughs> no, if you think about it, um, years ago, there would be more extended um, families where they would have people to talk to. They might not... They might, it might be too close to home to talk to mum or dad, but they would have grandparents, they'd have aunts and uncles, they'd have neighbours who would be able to actually conduct this kind of social dialogue, which would help, again, um, them to feel better. They wouldn't have social media, which I feel is an enormous source of stress yeah. for young people. So I think things have 
I know we've moved on immensely in so many different ways, but there are so many more challenges, I think, for our young people. Yeah, definitely. And that definitely rings true. And everyone, anyone listening to this must realise, especially if they're older, that look at when we were kids. God, we sound old now. Look at when we <laughs> were kids outside playing. We didn't have an iPad. And like no. you said, we had interaction. I knew the neighbours, neighbours, neighbours. Yeah. Their kids. Yeah. We all went outside and played football. Uh, yes, you know, we got into maybe fights or arguments, but then we played. We had fun. The, the six-week holiday at school was all outside and it was fantastic. Now, Kids sit in their bedroom, and I mean, I know because a lot of that's got worse, but they've lost that interaction, haven't they? And that, that's a dangerous thing. They've lost reality as well, and I think that is the most dangerous thing. If you um, were um, a child or a teenager that had a flat chest, um, uh, sort of funny teeth, um, uh, and, and a flat bottom you know you, that was your lot and you just got on with it you know but now look at Love Island look at and not only do you have to look like that and spend money have pressure to 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 look like these sort of completely unrealistic filtered images um, you actually then get graded on it. You know, you, you, you actually then have to think, um, not only do I look, you know, have to look this way, but actually how many likes do I have? And, and do the, how many likes does that equate to my, my worth as a, self, uh, as, as a person? And when I put on um, a conference for young people a, a couple of years ago, and I thought, I'll get, I got the Manic Street Preachers involved. I've got Michael Sheen, the, the Welsh actor, and, it was amazing, but I thought I'll try and get some people on from Twitter that they follow, and I was—I uh, just left me so depressed because it was all people who were influencers who had absolutely nothing in their toolkit other than being famous for being famous. <laughs> and I thought, are these the people that young people look up to? And and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But does it, and lockdown again, I think has brought in, I know through, again, through my research that the pressures that have been brought on by social media to look a certain way, to have lost a certain amount of weight or for, for guys to have bulked up or to be having the best life. And we know that social media is just a showreel of the highlights of, of our lives, but young people actually will not see it like that. Their brain doesn't process in that way and they will see it as reality. Um, again, with, with images, I'll go and see friends, children, and I'll see them on social media and they look completely different in real life. And it's yeah. because they, they, you know, that you can do whatever you can to your face. I've got, and... I've got hair on my social media. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. I love, I love a, man, a man who's bold. Rocking oh, okay. that well. <laughs> um, but that's a good point. I mean, social media, we talk about it quite a lot on the podcast. I think social media is a brilliant thing as long as you take it for what it is and mm. use it wisely. And again, down to parenting, parents have got to try and educate their kids and say, look, you mm. realise this is not real. Uh, mm. And that's another, it's bloody difficult. But so 
now, so that's talking about my son. Let's talk about the younger age, sort of. My daughter's just started going to secondary school, so she's homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a teen, becoming a teenager and everything's changing in her body and same for lads at that age. Mm-hmm. What can we do for those kids while we're in lockdown and to ensure their mental health okay? Because it's so easy for her just to, she does her school and then she'll be on her phone. And that's it. And it's just a, a routine of phone lessons, phone lessons. Phone. And sometimes I just think, oh, get outside, do something. What can we do for that sort of age group, Victoria? I think it's really important that you, that you develop a schedule and that you develop a, a schedule for connection, for time outside. We know that by going outside, it actually reduces again um the um stress on the emotional part of the brain the amygdala again by about 50 percent just by being in the outdoors um by walking you get out of when we ruminate we're in the default mode network so we're um sorry when when we're just sitting around the house we're in the default mode network and we're ruminating and we can start worrying but again if we start walking we get out of that default mode network and we start just being in the moment. Um, So exercise is really key. Um, Talking connection, whether it be um, going on zoom um, to talk to family or, or friends also um, doing something crafty is really good because again, you can lose yourself in that activity, whether it be Lego, whether it be painting, drawing, making something out of recycled items, um, whether it be reading. These are the kind of activities which will be great for, for well-being of um, the, for the, young, the, the younger generation and actually talk to them about, um, like you say, about social media. Talk to them about the fact that um, if, you're, if you are just indoors all the time then you are going to have stress build up and that um a great way of relieving that stress is by doing there's something called the five ways to well-being and um they are learning um taking notice giving another brilliant way um to make yourself feel good and make um them not sort of be so focused on themselves is to do things for other people so that could be collecting things for a food bank it could be making a card for grandparents it could be offering to do something for elderly neighbors and you get such a buzz out of it far more of the buzz than that the person does that um, that does that receives it so that's another great way of building up um, well-being being active so as i say scheduling time in we all often think that we um it's going to be great um having a lie-in at the weekend and um we're going to feel much better for it actually by spending more time in bed we're spending more time in that default mode worrying network we're much better off getting up doing something and then it sets the tone for the day yes i I mean i um i talk about this quite a bit as well i I run i don't enjoy running and Mm. i exercise i've always exercised so it's got me in a good routine throughout my life but i don't really enjoy running and whenever i go i'm like oh but i never come back and feel bad Mm. 
mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I've been doing it for years and years and when I get back I feel great now mm-hmm. people haven't got to go for a run but it's exactly the same mindset mm-hmm. for people who don't really walk when they first think about it it's like, oh I've got to go for a walk but I can guarantee you when you get back mm-hmm. home you'll mm-hmm. feel great and that's just a steady walk so mm-hmm. I think it definitely rings true any kind of exercise and getting outside getting that fresh air definitely makes a difference doesn't it Oh, absolutely. Because you're releasing all those, those positive um, endorphins and, you know, getting your circulation going, but getting out of your head. I mean, that's the major thing is getting out of that headspace um, and getting more clarity of thought. Yeah, so I really suggest um, looking into those. So, so giving um, doing things that are, are more um, mindful. So mindfulness is another great thing that that I yeah. really suggest. Um, and it can be just simply brushing your teeth. When you're brushing your teeth, thinking about the sensations in your mouth as you're brushing your um, as you're brushing your teeth, um, and concentrating on that rather than thoughts going on in your head. Um, it can be going out on a walk and taking notice. So taking notice of five things you can see, um, four things that, um, that you can touch, um, three things um, that you can um, hear, then something that you can smell. But those being more observant, and then of course there's the, the meditation breathing, which I really advocate. There's a great app called Calm that's got sleep stories on. Yep. It's um, got special aspect um, uh, routines for children, and that's really good and, as well. And Headspace as well. I, I, yeah. I, um, this year, my res- I don't really make resolutions, but this year I've been trying for years to meditate, and I'm actually getting somewhere this year. Uh, and Headspace is great. It's free. And like you say, it doesn't have to be full-blown meditation. It's just thinking about something else, mm. you know, the sounds, look around, and not thinking about all these thoughts that are just flying mm. around. Now, obviously, talking about thoughts, adults, parents, you know, forget yeah. about the kids now. Yeah, yeah. It's been a stressful time for us all as well. Mm. What mm. sort of things do you think we can do to help? Because some people, what I've noticed, and the reason why to do this Mental Health Week, is the first lockdown, people got through it. Then there was a bit of a rest. Then we had a little one. Now, this time, I've noticed more people are struggling. And regardless of how bad the struggle is, no one can say they've not struggled even if you're still working because we are confined to this and we're our minds are telling us right we're not in prison but we're not in control and no one likes that what sort of things can we do to help with that because everybody's everybody is feeling the pressure I think I think it's number one is self-compassion we are going through a pandemic this isn't easy and it's taking the pressure off ourselves to be the perfect teacher, to be the perfect parent, um, to be the perfect partner. Do the best you can. As long as you're keep trying to keep your children healthy and happy. I've seen far too many people who are feeling, and again, this goes back to parents seeing other people on social media who are saying that their children are amazing in their routine <laughs> and doing amazing things at Makes school. Makes me it's, sick. 
Oh, I know. Can I swear? <laughs> I want to say a, a really big swear word. It's well, they're full of shit. <laughs> yes, yeah. Bollocks, I'd say. It's all... Bo- I know. Sorry, is that bad? Do you no, have that's to fine. Me out? That's fine. Um, but it's all, it's all rubbish. And um, if you go, as you say, it's, it's about um, being kind to yourself. It's about um, knowing that this is hard um, and we will, our resilience um, each time we've had lockdown has been dented. And um, now we are, we're really getting to the end of the race now, if we see it as a race and we, we are struggling. And it is about acknowledging that this we are in the pandemic it has been really hard and just being really kind to ourselves and if you can get through the day that is enough Um, and not put pressure on ourselves to complete amazing goals Um, and to know that other people are struggling too and I think that really helps when we are able to have those open and honest conversations and often when we are open and vulnerable with how we are feeling then other people will open up too and we know that we're not alone in this struggle yeah and the other thing i've noticed as well is people have got stuck in a rut with eating and drinking Mm. or i've been drinking too much i've probably been eating too much Mm. what can we do about that because that is such an easy thing to slip into isn't it it is and again i think it's about um if you've had a particularly bad week or a bad day that doesn't have to define your year small steps incremental steps add up to big change and it's about actually making if 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 you've got a sweet tooth or if you um uh, have a tendency to have the don't have it in the house you know your your willpower is far more strengthened by it being less available to you so leaving those treats the weekend perhaps having that helps us then to have more of um a schedule to our week because we do feel at the moment like every day fades into every day <laughs> yeah. so perhaps you perhaps perhaps you know keep those treats for for the weekend but also again it's about self-compassion and not judging and not then going on that spiral of self-contempt and um and guilt and it making us want to have those things more it's about being kind to ourselves and thinking well tomorrow's a fresh day and let's see what i can do to actually um, make a change. Yeah, definitely. I've found with, with, well, drinking, especially with alcohol, is myself and my wife, we sort of work it out together. We chat about it. Have we drank too much? You know, let's not drink until the weekend. And then you're sort of working through it together. And that sort Mm. of helps because it's so easy in the week to drink whereas before you you, know, you you rarely would now we're like oh glass of wine glass of wine mm. but mm. i think another thing that you said which is really good is don't beat yourself up about it so if you do have a glass of wine it's not the end of the world you're not becoming an alcoholic so absolutely. it's getting that fine medium is it isn't it absolutely and we're in a pandemic 
for goodness sake, we're in a pandemic, <laughs> you know, be kind, be kind to yourself. That is the, the, the biggest message that I would like to send over is that um, when we're kinder to ourselves and when we feel better about ourselves, then we're better, more likely to make the right choices. Yeah, definitely. Now, finally, if we see loved ones or other people we know and we think they're struggling what sort of things should we look out for victoria people becoming more withdrawn um people um talking um about um feeling very negative feeling very low um also if you feel if somebody is talking about not wanting to be here anymore or having thoughts of of ending their lives do not feel afraid to say are you having thoughts of suicide is this something that um that you are you thinking of of ending things because actually that can be an, a massive relief to people that they're able then to unload some of these feelings and what I've known through suicide prevention training is that we don't ask that question often enough and we need to be direct in our questioning. Now, people don't ask that question because they, they are of the belief that it will put the thought, that seed of thought in people's oh. minds and you couldn't be further from, from the truth. Actually, it's a it's way your of dog, showing... your dog attacking you. <laughs> Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Oh, oh look at her. Oh, what's her name? Betty. Betty Florence English. Oh, Betty Florence English. What a <laughs> Florence. beautiful night. Florence English. Florence. Yeah, and then next week, on the 16th, we've got, um, we have got, let me, Flossie Tabitha English arriving. Flossie Tabitha. See, Victoria, your dog's names are so classy. My dogs <laughs> are called Walter and Alabama. <laughs> so cute though and actually pet therapy is the best they get you outdoors um they love you unconditionally and yeah they're great friends to have so she's oh, really helped me through lockdown definitely i mean our dogs have that have helped me because when you look at your dog when you're feeling down you look at your dog and you think be like the dog absolutely mindful so yeah um, have those open conversations um direct them to um to some of the amazing um websites which are available or, or um helplines there is help out there um there are things that you can do to actually um have better mental health and well-being did you know also that um not having connection is the equivalent to smoking two packets of cigarettes a day yeah so, yeah, it's actually shortened your life by eight years. So pick up that phone, talk to people. Um, I know I'm a great, I, I don't really like sort of Zoom. I, I find it really difficult to sort of see <laughs> myself. And, but, you know, get on um, these, um, these platforms and, and have a chat. Um, reach out to people. It is really, really good for your mental health and well-being yeah um and reach out so so really if, if if i was to say to you one bit of advice that you could give what what do you think that that would be 
I think it would be be kind to yourself. Mm. Be kind to yourself. You're living through a pandemic. Um, make sure that you actually um, forget that seg- that negative self-talk. Um, be kind and compassionate to yourself and to your loved ones. And um, things will get better. Have that hope and that optimism um, and reach out brilliant bit of advice and just speaking to you this morning victoria that has made my day and made me feel a lot more positive so just as simple as a a great conversation in the morning absolutely with with yourself well look it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on if people want to go onto your website or find you on you on instagram what what's yeah so i'm the english um the english well on twitter um, at the English Well, I think I'm at at the English Well, um, at the English Well Being on Instagram um, and Facebook. I put a lot on Facebook, so um, Victoria English on Facebook, um, and my website is www.victoriaenglishwellbeing.org. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to send you an email earlier. It took me about half an hour to write your email address. Oh, oh sorry. But your, web, oh. your website is great. There's some great information, like you say, on Facebook as well for people to look at. Oh, so, thank you. So that, thank that's, you. that's a really great thing. Well, look, make yeah. sure you stay in touch and, and hopefully sort of when we come through this we'll, we'll get you back on and you can actually we'll talk about your journey because that sounds like we could take up all day <laughs> sounds absolutely fascinating would, would love to would love to and you have a wonderful day and big love to everybody who's listening and oh, remember it's going to get better it is you know it is. it's going to get better right, right god bless okay see you later victoria so that's it massive thanks again to victoria for joining me today and also for you for listening or watching make sure you follow the podcast because as i say we've got um tomorrow and friday two more mental health episodes and then the week after we've just got some amazing let me tell you interviews i know it's easy for me to say that but trust me, some of the journeys are fascinating stuff. Uh, to keep up to date, go on Facebook, which is more worth thinking. Podcast, Instagram is but what podcast? Twitter is more worth thinking with a three on the end, without a G. Uh, every week, I also put the whole conversation on YouTube. Uh, just put more worth thinking podcast in there. And finally, if you want to get in touch or you think you'll be a great guest, then just email me at at aol.com. I really hope you found today's episode interesting. Uh, just make sure you're listening tomorrow because it's going to get even better. Until next time, God bless. Take care.